You have tuned in on DX Talk. Navigating the digital experience industry. Your hosts for today are Lasse, Ulette, and Jonas. Welcome to this fourth uh, episode of uh, DX Talk, navigating the digital experience industry. With us today, we have Janus Boy. Welcome, Janus. Thank you very much for having me. It's a big pleasure and honor. We are so happy that uh, that you're here, and and the reason why you're here, I mean, I mean, there are multiple reasons, but one of them is that this year you celebrated 20 years with your uh, company. I mean, isn't that true? That was in August, right? That was in August, that's right. And uh, I see what you did there, Umbraco being a little bit older. Uh, that was uh, well done. Uh, but yes, uh, 20 years. Um, we also just had our 19th conference uh, last week. And actually at the first one, I have a photo of uh, Nils Hartwig climbing on the floor, trying to get an Umbraco live demo to work. <laughs> so uh, really happy that we've been able to uh, work together with and without unicorns and uh, other fun stuff uh, during 20 years, ups and downs, and the introduction of what was then back thing, big things like uh, responsive design or you know designing for mobiles. But perhaps today, when you look at some of the topics we'll discuss, like AI, okay, responsive design, that was a small thing. Yeah. But it was big back then. We can already hear that you have, I mean, a lot of uh, stuff in the in the history uh, chapter here. But but uh, why not just tell us and the listeners out there uh, who you are and what you are working with? Uh, so my name is uh, Janus Boy. I live here in Aarhus, Denmark, uh, with my three kids. That's also why I'm wearing the the jersey uh, today. We won a big game yesterday for us uh, as we're getting ready to build a new stadium. So it's the last home game uh, on the stadium as it looks right now. We don't have to talk about how Ulse is doing. That's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm not cheering for the local team, I am doing two things throughout the year. Um, the conferences, which we had the big European one last year, uh, which meets every year in uh, November here in August, where we try to bring together all of our different peer groups, which is the other activity we have all year round, which are smaller groups, 20, 10, between 10 and 20 people that are focused in a role, digital comms or project management. Those were the two original themes back then. It was also called project management in 2005, but it was called web editors in 2005, but digital com communication today. And actually for the first many years, our community was entirely on the customer side. So it was project managers doing websites, essentially, or people working with content on the web. And then around 2008-9, we had the uh, idea, I think also based on input from Nils, why don't we bring this together? We have this good conference where everybody can meet, vendors, agencies, customers, analysts. Why don't we also try to roll a peer group where we can meet across the aisle. And that's how the CMS Expert Group uh, originated, where I'm also happy to have Umbraco as a member. And I think the interesting thing about that group is that um, it's where competitors meet and competing agencies, competing vendors, a few brave customers who go in there also to learn. And I think that's really the, 
the common denominator in what I do. I can hear now you kind of tricked me into making a short story long, but um, it's all about learning and networking. Yeah, but it's awesome that that the short story becomes long. And I think uh, I've I've attended a few of these uh, sessions and uh, really liked them and got a lot of out, out of them. And one thing that strikes me there is that it's very open. Although we are competitors and, I mean, yeah, uh, in other areas, uh, yeah, compete, then it's very open and honest discussion. I mean, are you doing something actively to to make this happen or, or, or how come that it turns out that, that way? I'll start by saying that uh, I'm really happy that it is like that. And I'm particularly happy that hearing it from you and one of our members, uh, because I think that's exactly how it should be. I must admit also, I was a little bit fearing this question because um, it kind of has the assumption in it that uh, I know what I'm doing or, or perhaps <laughs> that there is some kind of a cookbook. Uh, and I have heard my say this also in the last week that, oh, this is a good ingredient. And yes, this is the secret sauce. But come to think of it over the weekend, it's like we don't have and perhaps we should after so many years have like, here's the one paper to create psychological safety or here's the one paper so that uh, people tone down that sometimes uh, salesy or markety thing that I also see at other conferences. I try to go to two or three other events throughout the year also to get inspiration and to sometimes relax by not being the organizer. Um, but I think it's a couple of factors. And, and so I do think we there's a little bit in the welcome. So when we have somebody presenting for the first time coming for the first time there's sometimes a brief call like just five minutes like the length of the conversation we've had so far to set the stage um but i do think also that with other communities and i'll give umbraco credit for having been a vendor throughout the years that's always put a lot of emphasis on community and i think one of the nice things about community is that it tends to be self-organizing also to an extent so it's not like school where hey i'm the teacher or the head principal and i have to tell you here's the terms and conditions if not you will get a low grade people are coming on their own you know people are coming voluntarily <laughs> on their own free working time to to you know have a good time and be human and then even before I enter the room, and I can't go to all these meetings either, um, too many groups going on, I, I love going to them. But even without me being there, also on some of the tracks last week, I see that it's to a large extent self-regulating, self-organized. People quickly find out that, oh, okay, this is not a place where I ask you to, to sign this contract here. Or, or actually, it's a place where I can also talk a little bit about the challenges, about what's tricky, about what's difficult. And okay, some other competitor might hear some input on how to solve the problem, but it's also validation to hear that they have the same problem. So I think it's in the composition. Um, it's in getting the right people together, which I think over the years have become better at, perhaps almost now, like, uh, I wouldn't compare it to a dating platform, but very quickly sometimes <laughs> looking at profiles and saying, uh, because we do a lot of active outreach to keep the community vibrant and fresh, to not just, you know, reuse the same speakers from year to year. This year, last week, we had 42 speakers and 36 were there for the first time. 
and so it's quite important. Um, but we also get recommendations for speakers from existing uh, members. And when we reach out to speakers, we say, ah, oh, we can see you know Lasse or you know Thomas. And we're trying to do it like this and then try to be hands off. And OK, you can do it in your own way. You can be more or less entertaining. Uh, you can be more or less uh, dressed up formal in a suit. And then perhaps on the second day, you, you let go of the tie. And on the third day, you bring your favorite soccer jersey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, can, I, uh, can I ask, uh, who, who, are, who are the members uh, Who are the members that are uh, that are joining? I mean, you said that Umbago is one and Lesser has participated, but who's uh, who's the audience of uh, of your conference and, and and peer groups? I guess it's good for uh, for listeners out there to to get that understanding. It's also really one of the reasons why we really wanted to talk to you because thank you you gain a lot of insights, right? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I could keep rambling, so that's good. Um, the like I said in the early days, it was exclusively the customers. Now with the CMS expert groups, we also have a product management track, which are vendors, uh, product managers also on the customer side, but mixed CMS experts is vendors, agency customers, but uh, 14 other streams we have from automation, robotics, project management, digital comms, digital user is customers only. So our member base is 80, 85% customer side. And perhaps getting back to the previous question, I think that's also a little bit a part of the recipe that the customers, vendors, everybody behave because there are people in the room that they want to impress, that they don't want to be seen as, oh, I'm not sharing at all. And then the customer sees it, okay, that's how you go into these meetings where it's all about learning and networking. So I think there's also a regulating effect in having it be like a user forum where it's welcoming to vendors and agencies and everybody can be themselves. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Janice. I think that's also one of the the the, the reasons why it, uh, it's it's such a cool concept, right? You get the perspective of uh, both the vendor, the customer, and uh, and and the potential implementation partners, which is one of the things that uh, that we would like to really uh, gain some insights to in in this podcast. And I know that uh, you have a couple of uh, of questions uh, also, Pauletta, in, in in relation to that. Yeah. Thanks. There's no doubt that that you Janus have a have a broad insight into this industry as a whole, and to take that insight and put it into to a context. How, if you're looking at the the digital experience industry industry, how would you define digital experience, and how do you think it complements the CMS? That's a very good question, and I think it's one of the Trickier ones because uh, even when I speak to what I consider experts on all sides of the table, if you like, customers, vendors, agencies, analysts, we could start with the analysts and they, they also seem confused because different analysts, Gartner, Forrester, and so on, have different interpretation, interpretations. I sometimes see CMS, DXP and use them interchangeably. Uh, when I get into contact with new members and we call it the CMS expert group. It, I think we had a couple of years ago, pre-COVID perhaps almost like an 
identity crisis. What is this? And is this now a dated old term that's solved? And it seems to me that that's totally not the case with all the innovation going on. Um, I, I see DXP as something broader than CMS, uh, but if you say, if you take a step back, content management systems, managing the content has been traditionally web content management systems, where digital experience platforms has then been also with all the personalization and bells and whistles. But to be fair, the CMS vendors also offer that. And, and so I see some vendors like our friends at Sitecore uh, kind of using both terms. We're Sitecore CMS, we have a DXP platform. To be honest, I still hear most customers asking for a CMS. That's kind of like what they have on their budget line. Sometimes when we bring it up uh, at the meetings and we have, for example, at the moment, Danish Red Cross, that's a public tender. And I forgot exactly what term they were using. But sometimes we have a conversation and like, should we just say we're looking for a new web platform or a new digital web platform? Sometimes they write CMS, sometimes they write DXP. My advice, and I try not to just ramble like I'm doing in this call, I try not to say so much at, at the peer group meeting. But if asked specifically and put into a corner, I would say, try to focus on what's the problem you're trying to solve. So let's say you have an old install of something and you want to upgrade so you get some benefits. All right, write that. Don't get too tied up in that um, this Danish vendor might call it this, this international vendor with Danish roots might call it something else. Focus on what's the problem you're trying to solve and then let the vendor or the agency that's submitting the proposal address how they solve it and what they call it and that's fine you know but mm -hmm. but we do have this problem in the industry we had a canadian vendor uh, that i would give a lot of credit uh, called agility that they updated some of the terminology in their product because when you go down a level of detail so you start at cms dxp and that, that that i think to be honest is confusing to many also the experts but when you then go down a level and talk about layouts and pages and those things that becomes like okay this is actually quite important for the day to day using this then the vendors also have different meetings what's a layout over here is a page over there and they actually and i give them credit they try to update their product to align with what they considered standard terminology but we don't have standards really in this field so there's no industry body uh, that's saying here's what it's supposed to be called and this is what it means even at the conference last week we had a vendor saying that there's confusion out there about headless cms many vendors have different definitions and then one brave participant asked okay so what's yours yeah, yeah, and and it's also something we've we've talked to uh, some of our other guests about. There's so much terminology that ma makes it difficult for someone that's not uh, not adept and not um, not been part of the industry for a long time to really uh, to to really navigate it. And I think uh, one of the things that we at least have taken on, and also with with your comment now, you know, is that we need to make it easy to uh, to our customers and partners and so on to understand what is it actually that we're offering. And um, that, of course, um, needs some uh, some alignment across the industry. And I think your conferences is, are probably helping uh, helping with with that. Um, so that's really cool. I hope I I hope I have this this kind of 
perhaps naive belief that innovation happens in relations and that can be breakthrough innovation where you take existing things and create something that's breakthrough. But almost what what you're talking about, you could almost consider like housekeeping. Like, okay, is this really how we're going to differentiate ourselves by calling layout pages or vice versa? Like, okay, let's just be simple here because customers want this. They want to come. They want to solve these tasks, and then we can differentiate on being open source and being friendly and other things. You know, mm. being the best ones with generative AI or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's um, it's true. It's a very it's a very good approach to to navigating this very complex industry. So, so that's uh, that's very useful. You mentioned yourself that it's a very innovative uh, industry. With all going on within this uh, DXP uh, or DX industry, is there anything particular that you find very interesting or groundbreaking that's going on of trends right now? I think it's. Uh, I think we need to talk about AI and generative AI. Um, like I mentioned briefly uh, earlier, there's clearly a lot of things happening uh, with with that at the moment and all the impacts it's having. I looked back a little bit uh, yesterday, trying to type up a members call we did before before the conference at the beginning of of uh, October with a. Um, a New York-based uh, guy called Sri, who is the former chief digital officer of New York Times and the New York City as well, and now on the Nobel Prize Outreach uh, Committee. And actually, my main motivation for typing up the notes was that um, normally when we do members' calls, it's on topics that don't get old so fast. <laughs> and here I'm like, I need to type this up quickly because with all the announcements coming every week, it's like what he said, which was, I think, super interesting. In October, it's going to seem like uh, going down a museum lane <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Mm. But in his call, he also had like a few highlights from this year, and I'm sure you've heard about them also with everything that's happening with ChatGPT probably being the biggest one having an impact, creating content. Uh, also, uh, we have CMS vendors that can now, all right, write me 20 words, then you can make it longer, al align it to my tone of voice, make it make this long text a bullet text, translate this text. And, and we saw a demo of that also last week. Uh, so you can quickly now create content. And just to take one example where I think this will have an impact on, um, on customers and vendors and implementers is that until now, there's always been, and I think it will continue to happen, this prioritization game okay, we're building this thing, we're getting ready for Black Friday, uh, we have resources for eight languages. But now with the help of, of ChatGPT and similar tools, we can do the text in 25 languages, or we can do landing pages in 35. And so I think that at least for people working in this industry, uh, we're not going to see that people are gonna get out of a job, but we're probably going to see that we're so far, you did one web project in three months. Now you have to do nine projects in three months because things get things get speed up. And uh, I think that's going to hit other industries too uh, in school. They're not going to have to only hand in one paper. They have to hand in nine papers hmm. because they can get the help of this. Uh, 
So that's just one impact it's having. Uh, but I think it's also important to remember that it's early days. It's a topic that we've discussed at every meeting since around February and March. People are using it like their co-pilot, like their assistant. Uh, and then new announcement comes out. It can talk, it can interpret images, it can do this, it could do that. It's really, really impressive, uh, very thought-provoking too. Uh, but hey, it's only six, eight, nine months ago. Many companies are still finding out what's the rules for this? What are we allowed to do? What's the, what's the policy? Uh, but it's also clear to get back to your questions that vendors are looking at this topic and innovating heavily and also experimenting, trying out 20 things and perhaps five will make a lot of sense and some of the, some of the other ones won't. Hmm. But it's also a bit like AI has taken over the agenda. I mean, 100%. So what we thought about one year ago, I mean, it's not something we talk about today. But but don't you think we have to at some point step back and 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 think on other technologies than AI? And and if so, what what is your take on what what's next? Yes, um, I don't know what's next uh, to be honest. But I hope that uh, one thing that I really, really hope that will come next from, let's say, this CMS DXP space, and that's also based on many conversations with one of our US members called Dean Barker, mm. who's working at, I guess, a somewhat competing vendor called Optimizely, written books about this topic, and I'm really, like you, really happy that he's coming to some of these meetings so we can have this conversation. And he gave a fascinating talk called Palaces of Innovation. And if you consider Umbraco the palace, where innovation happens inside, where you have a large customer who wants to do innovative things, not just do a website that's slightly better than the other website, but okay, this is where they want to innovate. Then the way you design your system clearly impacts innovation, like a physical building impacts the conversation you're having. And so to try to not make a long story, long presentation, fascinating one even longer, he made the point, when will CMSs really take the next leap in terms of the editorial experience mm. might that be the next frontier we've talked about it for many years and i've yet to find a single vendor in this space that says their system is hard to use they all say that <laughs> it's easy to use requires no training yeah. but when you look at it to be a little tough this the interface doesn't look so much better than it did five years ago or ten years ago and yet we have an increasing amount of people working at banks or financial services, all these people who are your customers, spending more and more time in there creating content. Dean wrote this blog post, I think 15 years ago, called, um, I think it was called the 85% problem, because he basically said that you don't start using Umbraco or a similar tool until the content has reached 85% of, you know, getting to 100. So typically the content starts in Word or somewhere else, it's collaborated on Slack or whatever. And so if a vendor could solve the 85% problem and say, hey, I want to use this system voluntarily because I think it's the best, most productive, most creative, most innovative place to work already at 50% or at 25% or even at 0%, that would massively bring this marketplace forward. So I don't know if that's next. I've been waiting for it for a long time, but I would hope that's next because we desperately need it because we do have now, and you might have seen this too, having worked in the industry for some time, we do have customers who are saying, I'm not going to work in this implementation of this system. I won't use an example here, 
because it's been implemented in a way that I can't use, you know, I can't use it for breaking news when somebody wins the Formula One, or mm. I can't use it at all because it's not allowing me to use my creative powers to combine text with video, with audio, with interactivity. It's too hard. I think that's a very interesting, interesting point. You know, so if I get the um, palaces of innovation uh, metaphor uh, correctly, um, what uh, Dean is, is saying is that. Uh, us as a as a vendor that that provides a, a tool for someone out there, um, we need to think about how do we make it as easy as possible to innovate and uh, and not uh, build boundaries with uh, with with the system that that we are uh, that we are providing. Is that correctly understood? Yes, and yes, and I'm paraphrasing him and combining a slide and a blog post. Uh, but and, and actually, some constraints are probably good. That's I think at least what I've heard from. The innovation experts. It's not good to have a palace without a foundation, right? <laughs> so uh, there needs to be some sort of uh, stable stabilizing factor in the in in the experience for 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 a user. Exactly. Uh, but I think it's a really uh, cool metaphor. Our uh, CTO Philip is uh, is talking about uh, the direction for Umbaco in 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 terms like uh, build like you want to build, and obviously that's referring both to uh, to um, to developers and to uh, to content uh, content editors out there, that's what we want to enable our uh, our end users and and developers to do. So yeah. I think it's it's really cool. Yes, and I don't have the solution, but I think that it's clear that many vendors for many years have focused predominantly on the delivery, if you like, uh, on the question before, more on the digital experience facing the customers, the members, the citizens, whoever they were building a site for. How can we personalize? How can we A-B test? How can we be faster? How can we be safer? How can we be more sustainable? Uh, which could be another topic also too. And I hope that could the pendulum swing a little bit or to again use uh, Dean's term, there's a lot of content management problems that remains unsolved. Like we're not done with this, um, even though we've been doing it now for 20 years and Umbraco a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, that's actually interesting that that uh, that it's actually such a such a big problem to solve with a with a system that it it hasn't reached a a fully. Uh, Fully final, uh, fully final state. But I guess that's that's also good that uh, leaves us and 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 our con colleagues uh, still room to to innovate. So absolutely, and we had an example at the conference, uh, which I think unfortunately you missed, Lasse. But hey, stay longer next time, mm-hmm. uh, or clone yourself so you can be in multiple tracks. Uh, no, we did have a talk on Thursday about the end of the paper-based internet. And with that, uh, Stephen Pemberton, a researcher at CWI in Amsterdam, he kind of made the point that if you look at the broader web, as we know it, CMS powered or not, it's still very lot the page metaphor. Uh, And what might the web look like when we're no longer restrained by thinking of pages? We still call it web pages. And I I thought actually 10 years ago when responsive design came out that, okay, now we're doing something that's originating on on a mobile phone and, you know, you can do like this and now we'll escape the page space metaphor and it will transform back to the bigger screens and we'll do amazing things. And yes, progress has been made, but still when you navigate uh, many websites, uh, whether it's uh, booking a flight or whatever it is, it's still 
quite page driven and you can also look inside many systems um, and you don't have to go very much below the surface where you still see that it's built on a foundation from some time ago where pages were kind of the universal asset. Mm. And, uh, so I'm wondering, there might be some room there. But hey, to be fair, customers have also focused, I think, overly on the delivery side. They focused on, we need to look better than the other guys. We need to make mm. sure that our external brand is digitally the same as it is physically because there's been a huge disconnect there. Many organizations have had wonderful brands in the offline world and then they've had a website where you thought, oh my God, is this really the same organization? So they've had you know, to kind of get their house in order, so to speak, and I think that's been why money has been flowing there. But I'm hopeful that customers are also increasingly seeing, hey, we have so many people here in the comms department or in marketing department, they're working with this so much, Historically, and I don't want to say some has it easier than others, some have it harder, but historically, I'll just say that developers have been really the most sought after people in many organizations, mm -hmm. whether on vendor or agency or customer side. We've seen probably also many of your customers hiring aggressively front-end developers, all these kind of people, where people writing content has been a little bit considered like, okay, like, you know, writing monkeys, anybody can write some text. We'll just write some text, you know, and if you don't like to do it, we'll find somebody else from from school who could just write some text, right? It's just text. But I get this sense of hope that organizations are waking up to the realization that content might actually be, at the end of the day, what sets us apart. Um, yes, we might sell this gadget cheaper than the other guys, but that's a race to the bottom. And if we need to differentiate, if we need to build loyalty, the illusion of loyalty, it's done with content, it's done with storytelling. And to mm. create that, we need a foundation or a palace of innovation. Yeah, that that sets, sets you free to uh, to innovate with your with your uh, with the way you communicate to uh, to whoever you're communicating with your with your with your palace, right? Um, and you need talent who can come up with those yeah. stories who can you know be creative in the within the boundaries of the tools mm. now that's really that's some really cool points Janus. um one of the things that i wanted to uh, wanted to ask you and i heard that we had the pleasure of 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 getting you on with all uh, with all the experience you have uh, and uh, with working with different different vendors and and your a finger on the pulse with uh, with what the trajectory of the different uh, vendors that are also your members um, have do you think from uh, from from an end customer or agency perspective that um, the digital experience industry is getting uh, easier or harder to uh, to navigate for someone that has to make a choice on what uh, what palace uh, of innovation is that we are going with uh, to fulfill our uh, digital experience dreams it's getting harder uh, that's the problem it's getting more confusing um, mm. Uh, there's we keep coming up with new terms and I say we kind of also perhaps being a part of that we although I like to see myself more as a part of the solution than the problem but it is a problem um, customers if you want to accept the premise then customers are perhaps now trying to get their head haha, around what's headless uh, how does this really work 
And then there is mm -hmm. initiatives around Mach, microservices, API-based, composable, headless. There is uh, people who are positioning other vendors as monoliths. And I remember when I heard that term, like, what's a monolith? And uh, it's clearly there's some marketing going on there that, okay, that's bad and this new. Um, but um, at the conference on Wednesday uh, on the CMS Expert track, we had, had somebody say, well, if you uh, use uh, the right stack or the wrong stack of Mach vendors, which is typically many different vendors, and then you have an agency that perhaps don't know what they're doing, it can easily also become a macholit. So and end up in a place where you're locked in. Mm. And I think that lock-in problem is, is a real pain that many customers have experienced and they really want to get out of it. Like, okay, we're selecting a new platform. We don't want to end up in a, this dead end we drove ourselves into. Sometimes it's they look at the agencies and say, why did you take such a wonderful open source CMS and then you implement it in a way that we can't upgrade anymore and we can't add these shopping tools or whatever it is. Sometimes it's the shortcomings of the tool. Most of the time, it's a combination of things. Also, the real world often dictates that, hey, the customer had so much budget. So <laughs> what is it you want? How much time? You know, we can do it very vendor neutral, but it's going to take a very long time. Uh, but it's a more confusing time these days. And I think more so than ever, we do need uh, the real story to come out. And I think we that's also what I advise when we have group meetings. Okay, you have something really specific question. I guess there's nobody here in the 15 people in the room who's done it, but hey, let's all give it a think. And then let's look back in our uh, networks and say, might somebody else have solved it in this way? Because quickly, even today, you end up in a situation where how many has actually implemented Umbraco with Hardcore in this country with this agency, and suddenly the list shortens. Uh, and then it's based in New Zealand or far away, who can help you? Mm -hmm. And there's these decisions that you have to make. And it's exactly the same also with large vendors, uh, commercial vendors, or Type 3, other open source projects that consciously or unconsciously you walk out and you think hey okay this has been done for 20 years this must be easy established everybody knows what they're doing and then you get somebody on the team from the implementing side who hasn't done it before on that version with that vendor and it's like <sighs> and being open and transparent about okay here's what we're trying to mm -hmm. solve here's what we here, here's what we expect that we'll learn on this journey I think that's really important. And then sometimes having that courage uh, to ask, all right, you're saying headless, you're saying Mach, you're saying composable, orchestration is another term that gets thrown around. Uh, all right, can we just pause for a second and get back to here's the problem we're trying to solve. And then, okay, you call it orchestration, that's fair enough, but let's make sure we get this problem solved in a reasonable way. But yeah, with respect to this login, that uh, yeah, I was also in that session uh, last week, right? I mean, can we ever get there where we do not have any kind of login uh, unless we, I mean, end up agreeing on standards? And and uh, you mentioned standards earlier in this uh, in this talk. I mean, do you think we will ever get there? I mean, could we agree in the in industry on on some standards that uh, that we could all align to? I hope so, but. Judging from the pace of uh, innovation or progress on that 
arena. I think it's going to take longer. I don't see yet customers really uh, getting out of their chairs and demanding it. Uh, I see uh, customers more, you know, focused in the last year or so. If we take another topic than AI, perhaps a slightly more boring topic, but security. Uh, so it seems like there's a lot of topics we kind of need to get to first. And so I think for the foreseeable futures, it's on the side of vendors to create alliances or at least perhaps informal handshake based agreements that, okay, here's what we'll, can we just agree that this is a field, this is a layout, this is a page. And then slowly but truly, perhaps uh, with the help, help of working, working groups say, okay, let them do this. This is perhaps more for marketing than for genuine standards. I'm not really looking for marketing alliances. But uh, I think it takes a vendor or two to take a step forward and say, how about we just settle on this? And then we can still be different, have totally different uh, ways of doing our palace of innovation. But let's just agree on this foundation, on this structure, on these elements here. And uh, then I think it could get picked up. And uh, I think that's really what we need. But I see it coming from the vendor side at the moment because I don't see it coming from the agency side, I think the agencies are facing a lot of pressure at the moment, also with the standard product of Build Me a website being more and more standardized. And so I see like a little bit of downward price spiral there that they can earn money when it's truly like, okay, build me the palace of innovation. They cannot earn so much money when it's, can you relaunch this on this system? You know, that's, that's a standard becoming increasingly a standard products where customers will shop around and look for price. Um, so I think the margins are in other areas. And so I think the vendors could do something there. Hint, hint. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's very complex. Uh, one of the, the key takeaways I had, uh, I had from one of the, the other talks that we had Janus, what was uh, in relation to composability and, uh, and, and all the fuss there is about that was regarding uh, the ability to innovate on an ongoing basis as the core of uh, the reason why you should, for example, think about composability. But one of the things that, that always strikes me is that that requires, uh, that, that requires a lot um to have that kind of uncertainty in the way you go, go about it, that you you open your you open your, your yourself up uh, um, by opening a part of the facade of the 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 palace uh, in order to be able to innovate on, on an ongoing ongoing basis, and it's yeah, it's it's not as easy as it uh, it necessarily seems um, when presented by by some of our Kukon colleagues that have good and in, uh, good intentions, but I think you're. Your perspective on on this are really really cool so one of the things that happened a couple of years ago at our london meeting uh was uh, we had this guy uh cleve gibbon there who uh, said that customers are now innovating quicker than the vendors and i think that made me think a little bit because vendors do tend to come across for me as innovating a lot and there's always a new release people like philip your colleague always presenting me next version this this thing, that thing. But he made the point when you look at customers across the board in the UK and in the US with big budgets, the last ones, they have multiple CMSs. They have huge digital teams. They, they are not thinking so much about uh, selecting one in the magic quadrant or some other horse race style innovation. For them, it's not only like best of breed. It's, as he said, it's best of suite. Like we'll have Salesforce, we'll have HubSpot, we'll have Sitecore. 
And then we might still also have Umbraco and Sankol. Like they, they have multiple in their digital estate and they are met by huge demands to go faster, to meet this deadline. So they're innovating super quickly. And so one way of perhaps putting it is that we do have perhaps a little bit like football. We do have a, a scale of the Champions League's customers that are innovating super quickly, pouring money into this, perhaps going quicker than some of the vendors. And then, yes, there is still a lot of other playing football out there, having fun, uh, also doing it, making money, but not going as quickly and not having the same access to resources and tools and people and, and everything you need. Uh, but uh, back to the question one back, it's, it's more confusing. Yes, but it's also fascinating to follow because really, really innovative stuff is happening. And one great thing that I also find really motivating that's changed from, let's say, back when Nils Hartwig was on the floor trying to get uh, probably back then VGA cable to work on the projector. It's also that we have a very increasing and quite high success rate of projects. And I think that's fun to be around, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I'm not going to go back at a specific Umbraco release, uh, but, you know, uh, it was sometimes a little bit like therapy, like therapy, you know, uh, customers, vendors, agencies, like, okay, this didn't work, this went over time, this went over budget. But we do have now uh, a lot of projects that are succeeding, succeeding in a big way. Of course, also the pandemic two years ago, thankfully that's behind us, but was also a huge accelerator for investment into everything related to digital experience. Makes a lot of sense, Janus. And I mean, we are running a bit out of time uh, now. And uh, so I, I would just uh, say thank you so much for showing up, even in your local uh, team uh, shirt, although it's, yeah, you're not our team. Um, but nice uh, having you uh, on the call and uh, thank you for joining. Yeah, yeah thanks for sharing, Janus. Really yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for the valuable insight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for hosting forums like this so we can keep the conversation going. I think that's really important. If there's one thing that I've learned also with the advent of AI, we need all to invest more time in, in learning, uh, even if you've done this for a long time, because mm. there's so many moving parts. So thank you. Thanks for listening in to DX Talk, navigating the digital experience industry.